were talking about uh, this is a topic. On, honestly, I kind of feel like this is almost where angels fear to tread, at least for a guy. This is a topic for me that uh, that uh, we're going to have some help with here in just a moment. But we're talking about body image. We're talking about body image now. I remember in junior high school, the very first time I had to take a shower with a bunch of other dudes in the boys' locker room. Any other guy remember that? <laughs> Maybe they don't do that anymore. But when I was a boy, we had we had gyms and and uh, the boys had to take showers. And and I remember in sixth grade, my biggest fear in going into middle school was that I'd have to take a shower with a bunch of other dudes. It was just like you know, just like paranoia and I remember talking with a couple of my buddies about it and being tough and you know but the scrawny little sixth grader going into seventh grade with the eighth grade with the big guys and, and so guys you know we struggle with body image maybe a little bit as we're growing up but by the time a guy hits 30 or 40 man it's all he could care less he's in the mirror he's got a big old belly he still feels like he's Superman hey honey what do you think you know you're like HGTV, you're watching Chip Gaines. If you're watching Chip and Joe Gaines and Chip Big Old Belly out there, and he's doing one of these, and Supermodel, you're like, you give me a break, dude. Suck that thing back up. <laughs> but not quite the same when it comes to women. Not quite the same when it comes to women. Body image, the, uh, a negative self-view affects women. Uh, statistically, they tell us at the age of six, young girls start thinking about their body image. They start thinking about how they look. By the 12, age of 12 or 13, there are millions of young girls that are already struggling with bulimia, anorexia. It's a real issue in our culture today. Real issue. And as Christ followers today, we got to know what does God's word say about how he created us, how he made us. What is our real value? Not only to God, but to his people and to his creation. I want you to look at two passages of scripture this morning. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive into the word a little bit here. Uh, but we're also going to have some friends help us here in just a moment. Let's talk about this issue. Psalms chapter uh, 139 verse 14. And then I want you to look at Romans chapter 12. It's an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. Romans chapter 12 verse number 6. And will you stand with me for the, in the honor of reading God's word. Psalms chapter 139 verse number 14. The psalmist declared, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully. Everyone say fearfully. fearfully. The concept of fearfully, it's not, not like a, a terrifying fear. It's a reverence. It's an awesome fear. It's a sense that God made us. The beauty of God's creation. We are the crown jewel. You and I, human beings, are the crown jewel of God's creation. Jesus didn't die on the cross for a tree. He didn't die on the cross for your dog. As much as you love your dog. And you want to see him in heaven. Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life, the sinless son of God. For you and I, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now I want you to turn over Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6. This is in the message paraphrase. Paul is talking to the church, the body of Christ, about the transformation that takes place when we come to faith in God. Talk about, he talks in Romans 7, he talks about the struggle of sin, Romans chapter 8, the victory that Christ has provided, that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that we're more than conquerors, we're victors. And then he begins to talk about our relationship to God and larger community, to the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking about the changed life, the new person, and your impact in your world. And in verse number 6, 
He says it like this in the message, in the message paraphrase. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Let's be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we're not. Something that we're not. This morning I'm going to talk to you on the topic of overcoming the lies of the enemy regarding our value and our worth. Overcoming the lies of the enemy regarding our value and our worth. Let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, it's been such a wonderful time that we've had with you in worship. We've acknowledged, Lord, your presence. We've acknowledged that we are your children today. I pray that reality, Lord, for every person in this room, that they would know that you really care, you really love walls and lies of the enemy, walls and lies of the enemy that have tried to distort our value, our worth, who we really are in you. God, I pray that they'll be tore down. Father, I thank you today that you're going to give us a mouth to speak boldly and declare who we are in you, that we are loved, we are valuable. We are accepted by your grace. Now, Lord, I ask this in your wonderful and mighty name, and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Week three of This Is Us, and uh, I want to introduce to you Miranda Quigley. She's the worship leader here at City Church, and she's going to talk about, or she's going to introduce our character this morning. Let's welcome Miranda as yeah. she comes. If you would go ahead and stand to your feet today, I'm your Zumba instructor for this morning, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those of you who stood, you're welcome for that one calorie less. You can check that off your MyFitnessPal. Hey, my name is Miranda, and I am excited to introduce to you the character of This Is Us today. Her name is Kate, and Kate has a struggle. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jack and his experiences with alcohol and hiding his sin. Last week, we talked about Randall and his experience with feeling abandoned. And this week, we're actually going to talk about Kate and her experience, except she struggles differently. She actually uses food as a coping mechanism for her tragedy and trauma. And ultimately, this food addiction leads to her struggle with self-image. And so I am passionate about this topic because I, like Kate, love food. Any other food lovers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, if do. you want to go to lunch after and pay for me, I will say yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm a foodie. I love, love, love food. And like Kate, I also have used food as a coping mechanism for my own traumas and tragedies. And recently, I actually lost my father in August of last year. And instead of using food as a coping mechanism, I decided to change my way of thinking because my dad actually passed away from his own health issues. And so instead of going, instead of learning to uh, live to eat, as I would say, I've, I've lived to eat. I wanted to change my way of thinking into eating to live. That's good. And so uh, along that process, through this journey, I've also um, really found freedom in my self-image through Jesus and then surrounding myself with accountability of uh, Christian believers. And I'm really excited to talk about this topic and not just share in Kate's story, but also share with some women up here who are going to share their story as well. Before they come out, go ahead and check out this clip. Good job. Find the rhythm. There it is. I want you to let it out. 
No spoiler alerts. I know you wanted to keep playing, right? Yeah, no, was, but uh, no spoiler alerts. Uh, but Kate's got a problem. Kate's got a real problem in her life. It's wrapped around this sense of identity and value and worth, and she's had it her whole life. Uh, like scientists tell us that since the since from the age of six, uh, most girls struggle with this issue of identity and value and worth based on their human body. I have some great friends, some of my very favorite people in the whole world, some of the most awesome, powerful, mighty women of God in this church, and uh, I'm going to introduce them to you this morning. First, we have hashtag my fave, Melanie Castro. She's our connections coordinator, and she serves here. If you've maybe you've worked with Melanie, she's on our staff and team, and we love you, Melanie. Thank you for all your work. And then greatest children's pastor in the world, Kristen Hayes right here. All the parents that... Have Kristen Hayes, awesome, Kristen and Doug, and then we have Miss Norma Hood, and uh, give it up for Norma. Awesome, I, 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 from the bottom of my heart, we've been on a journey together as friends and as a family for about 13 years now. We've walked through some really challenging things, and I just got to tell you, you've modeled such grace and such love for God and people in a way that really has been an encouragement to me. I just want to say thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being my friend today. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Norman. We've already introduced Miranda, greatest worship leader on planet Earth. We're so blessed to have her today. Miranda and Michael, thank you for being here today. Let's talk about it. Hashtag struggle real, right? It's real. It's a real, real challenge. And uh, guys, guys have a different struggle. But uh, for many girls, many women, this is really a struggle. Melanie, why don't you talk to us about the struggle? Yeah, so in a lot of ways, I can identify with Kate, and you saw a lot of the images or video of her um, growing up as a child, and so um, probably like from the age six and up, I started um, being a little bigger than all the girls in um, my class, or all the girls and boys in my class, and um, so the conversation of weight and eating was always a topic that was kind of talked about in my household, and um, so with my mom, she would like bring it up, and you know, in a loving and kind way, and um, and so we would go on diets, we would work out together, we would um, figure it out, but I always still um, be overweight. And so um, there's a picture that they're going to put up on the screen, um, and that's me, um, my freshman year, that first picture on the left. And so I was pretty much normal-sized weight, maybe a little bit overweight for my age group, but um, I really did hate myself at, at that time period, and, um, and that really led me to self-cope with food. And so that picture in the middle is... Um, me uh, just a little bit more overweight, and I was, um, that was in my senior year, my, my graduation picture, and then um, I really got to a point where I just, I didn't want to lose all the weight and then still hate my body, and um, I really felt like, you know, I saw a lot of women do that. They would lose all the weight, and they still would hate themselves and hate what they looked like, and I didn't want to do that, and so I really felt like God wanted to do it from the inside out, and, um, and so that picture on the right is, is kind of me right now, and I feel like God really transformed me from the inside out. And so I've lost 45 pounds, um, and that was a result of God helping me from the inside out. I mean, you're, you're a Christian girl. 
beautiful 15, if you're my daughter, beautiful, I love you, 15, I mean, how, how could you hate yourself? Talk to us about, I mean, how do, how do you get to that place where you hate yourself? Yeah, I really feel like it's the enemy um, lying to us at a very young age. Um, so from a very young age, I had these thoughts of um, self-hate. I just hated my body. I hated not just what I looked like, but even just my, like my personality, how God had made me. Um, and so th those thoughts, I feel like the enemy just, you know, kind of nudges you from a really young age, and he wants you to believe that they're true. And so they, they seem like they're your own personal thoughts, right? They seem like they're your own. Mm. Um, and then you, you can have, you have a choice to whether you want to believe them or not. And so for a long time, I did believe um, those thoughts. And, and I really feel like God met me, and he turned that around. And now I don't hate myself. Um, I do love myself, and I love the way that God um, made me and the enemy always wants to bring it back, right? He always wants to remind us of those thoughts again. And there are times when um, those thoughts might come up again, and I have to remind myself of God's word and what He says about me. Awesome, thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Melanie. Kristen, let's let's talk about the struggle in your life. A little yeah. different take, little. A little different Melanie. take. You know, when we look at our where we feel like towards ourself, our self worth, our value. And we may all struggle with something different. It might be weight, but it might be something entirely different. And, you know, it's easy to compare ourselves with other people. We look at someone else's life or mm -hmm. even their, their, their way their body is and whatever it might be that um, comparing ourselves is something that can happen often, but it's, it's no way for us to live. And so, like, for me, I have four children, and I had them all really close in age. And we're going to put a picture up of, of my family. And so our... Um, we, we wanted to have a big family. We wanted to have them really close in age. So I was pregnant for like five years. And <laughs> I really was. Five years straight. It felt that way. It was really almost that. And Walking you know, around I, like this. I, my belly got tremendously large. I'm short. So my belly went out. And, <laughs> and there was nowhere else for the baby to go. So um, I, I have stretch marks that are huge. And my body's never going to be the same again. And, and you know what? That's okay. Because what God has given me is so cool. totally worth it. Come on. But you know... Um, when I, when I look at my family and, and I see, like, God has blessed me with so much that, I, but it's, it's not, we can easily, like I said, compare ourselves with others and wishing we had this or I wish it was this way or I, I wish I was like that. And we have to remember, what, what I've learned, what I want to share with you guys is that my self-worth, my value does not come by looking at what I wish I was like or even the struggles. I can't focus on that that I'm going to focus on who I am and my worth in Jesus Christ because he is my savior. He is my redeemer. Sure. And, and the, our focus has to be on the right place. And so like Melanie said, it's, it's constantly, constantly realigning your thoughts to the word of God and what he says about you. And um, I love the verse I, that you already read, Psalm 139, verse 14, that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made. And so we're, we're different from one another. And that's a thing to be celebrated and not compared and, and making ourselves feel bad about. So. So you know that intellectually, right? Talk to us about this journey, this own, the journey that you have knowing this, but then actually believing it for you. Yeah, you know, it's really, it comes down to my relationship with Jesus and really pressing in. And there are days where, um, second, I want to share a verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says to take captive every thought and make it obedient wow. to Christ. And so the, the second picture I want to share is it, with, of my family Um are they on there? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I can't see. <laughs> but that was us at a family 5K. And 
even, and that wasn't too long ago. And there was a thought that slipped in my mind. Okay, here's my husband. This is his people that he works with. He's a PE coach. He's fit. He, he's, he works out. And here I'm showing up. I'm not as fit. I'm not as atoned as he is. And so when we have those thoughts, we have to take them captive and put them into obedience and remind myself, hey, that's not what I'm about. That's not what defines me. And, and so living that out every single day. And, you know, my focus really is not what I wish I had. But what has God put inside of me that is unique, that is giftings and abilities so that good. he's given me and not that to somebody excellent. else. That he wants me to use for his excellent. glory. Good. So that's how we need to live. Really good. Right, Norma, struggle, different place in life, a little different, bit Different little bit place. Um, I probably, my uh, connection with Kate is obviously more visible than theirs is. And, and I do struggle with food, and I have always struggled with food. Um, but... We all struggle with something. We're all broken, yes. and if we weren't, we wouldn't need a savior. Um, mm. And so we all have that thing in our life that keeps us from fulfilling who we are, who God made us to be. And what happens is, or what I have done is, I tend to look inward. And we we're talking about uh, self-esteem and self-image, and and all the things that they have in common is the word self, and when we start focusing on ourselves, I had a former pastor that used to call it navel gazing, yeah. where we look at ourselves wow. and we're so inwardly reflected that we can't be of any use on the outside. And I have learned over all these years uh, that I've known the Lord that if I allow the enemy to trap me in that kind of a situation, then he is able to render me impossible to minister to God's people. Yeah. If I'm so wow. focused, focused inward, then I can't focus outward and do the things mm. that God has given me to do. And I know he's given me a calling. I know he's given me a purpose. I know he's given me giftings and talents. And I have a responsibility to be able to share them and use them. And if I don't, it's sin. The word says it's sin. I love what you said that you know this is your struggle, but everyone in the room yeah. has a struggle. Yeah. So, so take out the word weight. Good. And plug in your word, whatever your thing mm -hmm. is, and then apply the things that we're talking about this morning to your struggle mm -hmm. and just know that God can reach you where you are. Um, I have some pictures that I brought also. They're a little scary. Uh, that first picture. Oh, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> pictures. Beautiful family. Platinum, big hair, big glasses. Um, that's my late husband, Dennis, behind me. And there's some of my children that you know. There's Debbie and, of course, David with the bowl haircut and TJ or Tim. Um, feel free to harass them later when you yeah. see them. Um, but one thing, I, uh, first of all, I was pregnant in that picture, but I was also in the front of the picture. I wasn't, I, I mean, I was, it was awkward and I was uncomfortable because I've always struggled with body image, but I was able to be in the front of the picture and it was great and I was enjoying my family. A few years later, a few children later, we had six altogether. This next picture that you see, again, Dennis is hold. there is Debbie next to me and David and Tim and Stephen and John. Uh, John is in Dennis's lap. And I'm kind of more in the background. I'm a bit bigger, um, trying to hide a little bit more, darker clothes, trying to be less obvious. Um, and then this third picture that you're going to see was actually a year or so ago on Mother's Day. And not all of the kids are there, but there's my tribe and uh, my daughters-in-law and some of my grandchildren. And, and I'm in there, but I'm surrounded by more and you can see less of me just the face try to hide wow. in the background try not to be seen and I cannot tell you 
because of this struggle, because of the years that I allowed the enemy to have victory in my life in this area, I can't tell you the swimming parties that never happened, the pool parties, the beach trips. This is not a beach body, okay? So I was not a real happy girl to go and do those things with my kids. So they missed out on a lot. I missed out on a lot. And I've learned in my walk with the Lord not to allow that to happen anymore. Don't let the enemy steal from you. You mentioned Dennis. Now, Dennis is not in this picture. You're not married to to Leva. Talk to us. 2010, Dennis went to be with the Lord. Talk to us about how that impacted your struggle. Okay. In February of 2010, many of you know that um, my husband went home to be with the Lord. It was sudden, and it was unexpected, and, and it was tragic, and it was horrible. But God was with me through that process. I had all, was already very mature in the Lord and, and spiritually to where I was able to hear his voice. And he led me step by step through the process of grieving and raising six children by myself. And, and you know, God has been merciful. And, and I found love again and, and, um, and have remarried now. And, and God has just been amazing. But you know, I had options. I had cho- so choices. I could sit in my chair and feed myself and try to bring comfort to myself, or I could stand up and be the mom that my children needed me to be, be the woman of God that God needed mm. me to be, be the example that God Come needed on, me Norma. to be. Preach. I, I, I don't, I haven't won the battle, as you can see. This is uh, it talks about, um, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, and three times he begged God to take it away from him, and God said no each time, and he said, my grace is sufficient for you in this thing or in this area, and so that's the walk that I'm on. I am not at my smallest, and I'm certainly not at the biggest I've ever been, but I'm on a journey, and there are times that I miss it, and I don't get it right, but there are times when I recognize the fact that Food is a relationship this way, but more importantly, my relationship with God is this way. So good. And when I keep this relationship right and I keep this in perspective, then this loses its power. This doesn't have near as much control when I've got my heart right and my eyes on the Lord. So good. Yeah, so you, that's awesome. So you were talking about changing, you know, you heard your pastor saying stop navel gazing and turning from your perspective of looking at yourself and really turning your eyes and fixing your eyes on Jesus. Can we just talk about what did that look like for you, Melanie? You mentioned having this, you know, Holy Spirit conviction, but can you walk us through what that moment, you know, looked like, and how did Jesus meet you in your struggles, and then what changed? Yeah, so um, I was in school for a period of time, and so I worked full-time and um, went to school full-time. So my life was crazy and hectic, and um, I would uh, be, you know, my mornings would start at, like, 5 a.m. and wouldn't end until, like, 10 p.m., and so I was really, you know, really stressed out during that season, and um, I really uh, just would would rely on food to cope. And one day, um, I had had several, oh, I had several binges during that week. And uh, one day, I just went right before I was going to go to school. I went to Wawa, and I got like those like big chocolate chip cookies. You guys probably know them; they taste <laughs> awesome. Um, and big chocolate <laughs> yeah. chip cookies. Yeah, big chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> I got two of them, and I just sat in my car and I ate them. Um, and then I just was, you know, I just was feeling bad and, um, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just convicted me and, um, really showed me that that's not how I should have been dealing with my pain or my stress or my sadness. 
at the time. And, um, and then I, a, a few days passed by after that, and I really felt like he was like, you need to tell somebody about this. And um, I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. And, um, and I just, he just felt like he just kept prompting me to do so. And I said, okay, fine. If I'm with that person, I knew the specific person he wanted me to talk to about it. So if I'm, with, if I'm with that person, then I'll tell them. And God did present an opportunity where I was with that person, and I just completely disclosed to them what was going on and how I was struggling with food. And, um, and just, you know, I was crying and like, you know, like this is a struggle. And, um, and she really just was really kind and um, non-judgmental towards me um, and prayed with me. And then she sent me a book that week to my house. It just showed up. And it was a book by Lisa Revere. It's called You Are Not What You Weigh. And um, I read that book, and it was just a, it's, con- it's been a continued process since wow. then as God has been helping me. And um, I know, like, the enemy always wants to kind of seclude us and make us feel like we're the only person dealing with that struggle. And um, when we open up and confess, and I think that's the beauty of being in a small group is that you can open up with uh, your spiritual leader and share with them and that they can help you in that healing journey that God has you on. I love what you said. One, you confessed to someone else. So you're doing you're doing the word. James 5:16 says, "Confess your faults one to another and you'll be healed." So you did that, you confessed and that and then that opens up the power of small group. One two or three gathered together in my name, I will do whatever they ask. And so you're asking God to heal you because you were willing to be transparent. And, and I think that's the issue. Whatever your struggle is, I know for a guy it could be porn, it could be booze, it could be money or whatever it is for and it could be the same for girls, but whatever the struggle is that you're willing to open up, confess it, confess that fault, and then God starts, by the, his Holy Spirit starts to work in your life. That's awesome. Thanks, Melanie. All right, so we're talking about it's, it's a journey, and so it's a relationship with the Lord. And the more that I drew closer to Jesus in my relationship with him, the more I, um, you know, I knew the word, and I, I chose to believe the word. And so instead of focusing on myself, really, my um, there, there was uh, just a transfer of what I focused on. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to focus on what he's called me to do in my life. I have one life to live, and I want to give my absolute best to it. And so it's waking up every day, choosing to walk in God's confidence and walking out the purposes that he has me for. So I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going um, to invest in those gifts and use them to not just glorify the Lord, but to make a difference in this world, every day that I have, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to give my best that I can to everything that I've got. And, and having that be my focus. So, it, you know, really, it's, it's a choice. We have a choice in everything. And we didn't remember that. We have a choice in our thoughts. We have a choice in, in what we believe. And so we need to, to dig deep into the word. And so for me, it was just that, that evolving of my relationship with the Lord and really just hearing his voice and, and seeing what he has for me every single day. Um, yeah, I would have to echo what Kristen says. Um, you know, it's recognizing I tend to be a perfectionist and t- with myself. And so in my mind, if it's not 100% exact and perfect, mm. then it's not good. It's a failure. And so I um, have to recognize that every day I have to make choices. And there are days that I don't make good choices. You know, I know that I'm at the stage now where I need to employ exercise into the process that I'm in, and I don't want to. (laughs) I think the fact that I pay for a gym membership 
and it's in my purse, <laughs> ought to be enough. And the gym loves you. And the gym loves me, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that ought to have an effect on the me. The membership's but in your purse. That's yeah, the Yeah, exactly, thing. but it doesn't. And so I'm in this struggle. I want to, but I don't want to. I, do, I should, but I don't want to, you know, wow. in that process. So I have to make those choices every day. And, and I will probably... Um, I, this is my thorn in the flesh. I'll always have to deal with this. Even when I weighed my, my thinnest, I lost 100 pounds at one point in my life. I was through Weight Watchers, and I got to meet Sarah Ferguson, and I was on TV, and she liked my hair, and, cool. and it was amazing. I yeah. did, too. I yeah. wish I had it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later. Um, Just glue a little but, red in here. But, right well, gosh, I just lost it. What ah. going to say? Uh -huh. You were on Weight Watchers. Yeah, you so the perfectionist. You feeling good but about But even yourself. at my thinnest, even at my smallest, mm. I still had this issue. The, you know, the Bible says that we see ourselves through a, a glass dimly and that we forget what we look like when we look in the mirror. And it's true. We do. And so if we get these attitudes right, if we get this relationship with the Lord right, then those are the right choices, and we're able to move forward, and we're able to use the gifts and callings God has given us to use. I have five grandchildren now with one in the oven, you know, and there are a lot of things I want to do with them. I want to play with them. I remembered when I lost the weight, I was able to go in a go-kart with one of my sons who was little, unable to drive, and I was shocked that I could get in it, sit down, fit mm. him in it too. We both had room, and it was the most freeing time ever because I got to enjoy my son. So I have to learn how to or continue to learn how to put myself on the back burner, quit looking at myself, think about what God has for me and focus on those things. That's awesome. Amen. So obviously this is a process. You know, we're talking about it being a weight loss journey or a process. None of this happens overnight. So what would you say to some people here who are probably or, uh, can can relate or maybe struggling with something similar, what are some takeaways they can start doing today or some resources that you would, uh, you would share with them? You know, I think about yourself and not the negative part, but celebrate who God has made you to be so and celebrate those special things that are unique to you, those giftings like I've been talking about. And don't be afraid to go out and use them. But, you know, I, I, when, I, when I look in this room, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Like, all of you, we're all different from each other. We're all beautiful in our own way that God has made us. And um, when we struggle, we need to go to God. Like, he's a great big God. He wants us to be real with him. So our prayer life, our, our talking with him should not be prim and proper. Like, let's get real with God. And, I mean, there are times where I have cried out to him. And I've been upset. And, and my prayer, my tone might have been angry. And I'm, I'm sharing what's from my heart. And he, he wants that from us. He wants us to be mm -hmm. that authentic and raw with him. And so don't be afraid to do that. Don't, be, don't think that you can only pray like these certain kinds of prayers with him. Like you're struggling. Say, God, I'm struggling with this and I need you to help me. Can you help me with this? And, and just lay it bare before him and allow him to work and speak to you in that. That's awesome. Thank you. Mel? Um, I would say, you know, for maybe someone who, if you're, if you're raising a child or that, or maybe there's someone in your life that you love that um, has having weight issues, um, I'm really grateful for my mom who just didn't sweep that under the rug. We talked about it. And um, so I would say, you know, if you are uh, an adult who has a child who's struggling with that, talk about it and talk about it in a way that's loving and gracious and support them in it. That's what my mom did. And I'm so grateful for that. And then the, the second thing I would say is if you're, if you're struggling with a particular thing, look for people who are farther than you or, or read a book or listen to a podcast 
um, so that God can help you. And I know that um, for me, like, a lot of books have just been life-changing for me, and um, that Lisa Brevere book is one of them. Crave by Lisa Turkhurst is another. Um, there's a lot of great books out there um, that can help you on your journey. That's awesome. Norma? Um, we all know that the enemy likes to make us think that we're the only one that's struggling with the thing that whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is we tend to withdraw and we pull back and we segregate ourselves and he separates us from the rest of the flock. And, um, and I think a lot of the damage happens when that mm -hmm. occurs. And so my advice would be allow yourself, maybe force yourself to get back into community uh, with people here in the Small church. Groups. Surround Absolutely. yourself with Celebrate people. Celebrate recovery. Wow. Yeah. Hurts habits hang up, celebrate recovery. It's okay. designed exactly for that. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people maybe that are struggling in the same area or that, you know, already have an exercise program, if anybody is out there, come see me, that, you know, they have something that they're already doing that maybe you can ride on their coattails and just and, and work on that with them so that it's not you by yourself. Um, the enemy wants to separate if we come together and we join with other people. Make sure you find somebody, though, that is going to bring you up in the Lord, is going to reach down and pull you up. I've Many times I've had people, you know, come on, let's go exercise. Nah, I don't want to. Let's go get cake. Okay, let's go. Bye. <laughs> you know, so you want to make sure that it's somebody that is really going to encourage you. Healthy and friends, healthy you, choices. Yes, yeah, exactly. Hey, let's give it up for these ladies. And they do a great job. I love what Norma said, there's, there's a real live enemy. There is a real live enemy. The Bible says Satan is like a roaring lion. His method is to lie and deceive. His method is to lie and to deceive. You know, our culture today celebrates beauty. It's, I call it the culture of narcissism, the idol, idolatry of the body. You look at a supermodel that graces the pages of some famous magazine, and they're probably 5 foot 10, 117 pounds. The average woman in America is five foot four and 166 pounds. Only 2% of the women in our population actually qualify to be on the pages of a magazine. And so we have a false narrative, a false image, a lie of the enemy. So you look into the mirror and what do you see? You don't see what God sees. You don't see the way that God has created you. I, I've discovered in my journey with Christ, there's two kinds of people. There's people that get puffed up because they're able to conquer an area and be victorious and not like everybody else, and maybe they stand out. Whatever the issue, whatever the struggle is, or there's people that get pushed down. A lot of us get pushed down by the lie of the enemy. The enemy's great lie. The enemy's great lie is right inside of here, right inside of our heart. We believe the wrong things about who we are. I want to talk to the men just for a moment. I want to talk to the men and our responsibility in helping our wives and helping the women in our lives overcome the lies of value and worth. How do we do this, men? First of all, if you're married today, if you're married, men, have eyes for your wife only. Have eyes for your wife only. She needs that. She needs you. She needs to know that you love her unconditionally. Whether she's 105 pounds or 400 pounds, your value, your love for her is not based on her size. But what God has done inside of her life, inside of her heart, in bringing you together to be your spouse. God made you. What God has put together, let no man tear asunder. God put you together. And so uh, it's so, so important. 
that we have eyes for our spouse only. I love Proverbs chapter 5. I want to read just a couple of verses here. It says, you should be faithful to your wife, men, just as you take water from your own well. Save yourself for your wife and don't have sex with any other women, mentally, mentally, or physically. Look at verse number 18. Be happy with the wife you married when you were young. She is beautiful and graceful, just like a graceful deer. You should be attracted to her and stay deeply in love. Love is a decision. Love is a decision. A decision to have eyes for your spouse only. Uh, this isn't just for married men. To the young men that are in the room that are not married yet. To the young men that are single. I, I want to share this word with you. The Bible says, for God's will is for us to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your own body and live in holiness and honor. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God or his ways. Young men, you, you think it's all going to be fixed. The struggles, the battle that you have. Or single man in the room, when you get married, that will take care of it. If you don't deal with the issues of valuing women and seeing them the way that God sees them before you're married, that struggle isn't going to go away when you get married. And so value women. Have eyes only for the person who is your spouse. The second thing is speak words of life. Speak words of life and encouragement. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So speak Encouraging words. Everyone say encouraging words. Speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope. Build up hope. The words that you speak over your wife, the words of affirmation, the words of love, the words that, that you share with her, the little love language that the two of you have. The little baby talk that, that you, you had when you first met each other. You, you're still doing that 30 years later. You have a certain language, a certain love, love for one another. Build up hope so you will all be together. God wants you together today. I mean, we have a responsibility to speak words of life, speak words of blessing. Being intentional in the small things in our relationship will have big rewards in living an emotionally and healthy and fulfilling marriage and relationship. Number three, recognize that you can't fix her. Your wife is in the battle today. Your wife is struggling today. She, she's been defeated. She's got the enemy working overtime inside of her mind and her heart. You can't fix her, but God can. You can't fix her, but God can. Sometimes men try to fix their spouses. They're critical and they're nagging. And you know, men, men say women nag, but, but uh, or men say women nag, but I've found that men nag just as much, if even not more. Gracie on the front row shouting me down. It's a real deal. We want to criti critical. You didn't, get, you didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. Why'd you back your car in like that? Why'd you get that food? Come on. Ah. Philippians 1, uh, 6 says it like this. I'm certain that God who began the work within your wife will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God, your relationship with him is a continual progressive revelation of his love. It's a continual revelation of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness, of the hope that only he can give. 
And it's a continual progressive warfare against our flesh, against wrong thinking, wrong mindsets, wrong ideas, not knowing who we really are. The closer a husband and wife get to God, the closer they get to each other. The farther we get away from God, the farther our relationship drifts. I want to finish with this with ladies. Believe that you are loved and valued by God. I love what Melanie said. She said, you know, she hated herself. But at some point she had to come to the realization that that wasn't faith. That was sin. It was a life of sin. The just shall live by faith. You, you choose to believe what God says about you. Every person here today. You choose to believe. To get a deeper understanding of the love of God. And the patience that comes from Christ. You choose that today. If you belong to Jesus, if you belong to Jesus, then God's love for you is more powerful than the hurts, sinful habits, and hang-ups that seem to haunt your life. God's love for you. Believe that today. That's faith. You have to declare it. You have to speak it. You have to confess your faults one to another. Be the best version of you that you can be. Be the best version. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, listen, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? We do have a responsibility as Christ followers to treat this body as the valuable thing that God's created it to be. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he didn't die for the tree. He didn't die for the ocean. He didn't die for your dog that you want to see in heaven someday. He died for temple temple we are the vessel in which god lives he dwells inside of us that's why we're valuable god thought you were so valuable so important that he would choose to put his holy spirit inside of you that's why we honor god with our body that's why we take responsibility for what we eat we take responsibility for for our lives and finally don't compare yourself don't compare yourself you know this is the tendency for every person in this room. Romans chapter 12 was the first passage that we read. Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be who God created you to be. Just let's be who God has made you to be. You're different than the person sitting next to you. You look different, different genetics, different DNA, different background, different parents. But hear me today. You are a child you are a child of God. You are. So what do we do with this? Therefore, my brothers, I beseech you by the mercies of God, be not conformed to the image, to the value system of this world, but be you transformed, be transformed by the renewing of the way that you think. Everyone say God's part. God's part. He did his part. He's come to live. He's come to dwell. He's forgiven you of your sin. Your part is to choose to believe that his spirit and his power enables us to be the people, to believe the people that overcome the lives of the enemy and to believe that we have value and worth in his life. Let's stand.